It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Corey Lindley, founding executive and CEO of doTERRA International. For over three decades, Corey has been engaged in the global world of direct selling. He has lived and worked in Hong Kong, Japan, China, Australia, and of course, the United States, solving complex business issues. He's worked in senior C-level positions for $2 billion plus consumer product companies that market products through direct selling, first with NewSkin for 17 years, and now doTERRA. He's also served as church for over three years in mission work in Australia, and throughout his career, he's developed competent and loyal teams, which has been a real hallmark of his contribution. Corey holds a BS degree in accounting from Brigham Young University and an MBA from Utah State, and began his professional career with Deloitte prior to beginning work in the direct selling world. He loves all sports, especially golf, but Corey's quick to point out that his favorite pastime is being with his amazing wife, Janice, along with his eight children and their families, including 20 grandchildren, doing whatever it is they want to do. Corey Lindley, welcome into the corner office. Brant, it's good to be with you. Thank you so much. That's a very oh. kind introduction. <laughs> well, very, very good to hear your voice again. We spoke uh, a month or so ago, and then I had a little eye surgery that interrupted oh. our time. Uh, but things are going well on that. I'm getting my cataracts out. So I got to tell okay. you, anybody out there that listens that's afraid of doing it, believe me, it's a game changer. I get my uh, second one out tomorrow, but I hope you've been well over the last uh, few weeks. And uh, gosh, as we kind of emerge from the pandemic now, I guess it's 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 far it's getting further in the winch in the in the rearview mirror, right? Are you it, feeling that in your business as well? Yeah, it certainly is. It's been over my mind for two years, but it's hard to get it completely out of our society. It is. It is. Yeah. It's it's changed us so much, but uh, we'll get to that. And I'm I'm curious on as to how that's impacted the direct selling business. You've spent so many years in it. Of course, we'll talk about DoTerra and the exciting things you're doing there. But we always like to kind of start at the beginning and you know talk a little bit about the early years. Uh, tell us where you grew up and what your early family life was like. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, I grew up in uh, northern Utah in a small farming community. Uh, my father was a, a school teacher. Huh. He, had, he had been a professional football player and uh, wow. kind of retired from that and coached at a university and then coached a local high school and, and nice. taught PE. And I just grew up in that small community, farmed on the side. And so I grew up hauling hay in the summer, moving sprinkler pipe, doing all the fun things that farmers do. 
and, and playing a lot of sports. And yeah, was, foot, football being one of them, I'm sure, with dad as a coach. It, it is, absolutely was. Yeah. I've watched a lot of football and played a lot of football in my life. Yeah. Brothers, brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have uh, four. There's four boys in the four family boys, and oh. uh, one girl. And okay. the boys all played football and we all talk football a lot and uh, I'll have lots of wonderful debates about that. So, yeah, <laughs> Mom was pretty busy bringing up five kids, I imagine, right? Or did my she mother was, a, my mother was a saint. She was <laughs> wonderful. And she, she was a, I don't know if she really loved football as much as she went to all the games that she went to to be supportive. She was but, a good sport, right? She was a, good she sport was about a great sport. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's kind of a small town uh, that yeah, you Yeah, just in. a few yeah. thousand people at yeah, the time. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a small town. Kind of knew everybody, played a lot of different sports in the community and right. um, just loved it. It was a kind of an idyllic life growing up, really, in a small town. USA. It's great. Any, uh, you know, key memories from mom and dad's upbringing lessons, maybe learned along the way that, you know, they impart on, on you on, a, on an, as an early age. Kind of you know, my dad as a, a professional athlete and a, yeah. a farmer, he was a hard worker. Yeah. And yeah. there are times we used to go, uh, work for other farmers. You know, we'd, we'd oh. haul my dad's hay, but we'd get done and then other farmers would need help. And so we'd, we'd get hired out to go, my brother and I, particularly my brother just older than I, and, and we'd go out and haul hay. And, um, and he would always say before we left, just remember an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. You know, he just, he wanted to make sure that we were working, uh, as we were getting paid. He didn't care how much we got paid, but we wanted to make sure we worked hard (laughs) while we were, while we were doing it. I remember another time it was my dad, a little competitive nature came out. He would, uh, he would, uh, drive the truck and side elevator. My brother and I would, were loading hay bells and he kept wanting to set a record for the fastest loading hay bells. We turned <laughs> 70 bells on that truck. And my brother and I are like, no more records, just slow down. <laughs> Very competitive. He sounds yeah, like, huh? he was like, no, we can do it. 13 minutes. We can load this thing. I no, love that. Slow down. It's hot. I love anyway. that. It was a great experience. <laughs> what about school? Are you a good student? Um, you know, I, I did. School came quite easily for yeah. me. I had a great yeah. high school and uh, was able to get a scholarship to go to ah, university. And, um, you know, I graduated valedictorian, but wow. we had about 500 in our graduating class. Oh, it's a big class. Yeah, I loved school. Yeah. It was great. Right. And, um, yeah, I had a great experience. Well, other than sports, what other kind of activities? Are you involved in music, theater, you know, politics, anything like that? Is there anything other than sports? <laughs> That's a good question. I suppose when you grow up with a coach and a former pro, you know, yeah, football was, player, that, it's hard to think. Although I will say this, my mother wanted us to get some culture. Yeah. And and her mother, so my grandmother, was a piano teacher. Oh. And so I took piano lessons for five years. Wow. And wow. I think I finished in grade two of the five years it was Uh i was in book two i didn't progress really fast Um, (laughs) i didn't spend as much time practicing the piano as i did uh playing football that would have been a hard sport yeah exactly play a little bit of piano but um not i do appreciate the piano and i have some daughters who are amazing pianists but for me 
Uh, it was all about sports. All about sports. What about entrepreneurial things? Did you do any of that growing up? I mean, you it sounds know, like dad I, worked you pretty hard. <laughs> we did. We didn't, I didn't really have a lot. My dad was a teacher and yeah. uh, we worked there. I, I worked, um, you know, would always buy my own school clothes and buy my own things that we needed by working in the summer. Right. And right. so it was really my brother and I, we would hire out and work on different people's farms, mm. but yeah. we never started a business uh, right. other than being entrepreneurial and being workers. It was it a kind of a foregone conclusion that you'd go to college. Is that something mom and dad expected of you? Uh, you know, you interestingly, yeah, interestingly, my dad was the first of his generation oh. and his family to go to the university. But right. um, but all of all of my siblings, all five of us have university degrees and all of us have graduate degrees, actually. Wow. And wow. so my mother, I put her influence in that. Uh, yeah. She didn't graduate, but she she, I think, earned most of my dad's degree to right. be honest. And so <laughs> she did most of the work in typing up everything he had to do back in the day. And sure. And school was always, education was always important for us. Right. Um, right. Well, so, you went to Brigham Young, uh, undergrad. Was that also kind of preordained or did you take a look <laughs> at other opportunities? Uh, yeah, obviously some, you grew up in the church of LDS. We know that, right? Yeah. I, I grew up as a member of the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints and, okay. and BYU, Brigham Young University is the, uh, you know, sponsor Premier, by the church. Yeah, yeah, right. um, but there are other great universities here in Utah. Yeah. And I, I didn't really have a global perspective at the time. Honestly, right. I hadn't traveled more than maybe a few hundred miles away from my, from my town growing up. Um, since then I've traveled millions of miles, sure. but I, at the time, and so it was kind of local looking at different things. I did have some opportunities to go play football on the East coast at some Ivy league type schools, oh, but I right. just chose to go to BYU. I had a kind of a preferred walk-on opportunity to play yeah. football yeah. at their university great. and they had a great team and it was fun and I uh, had a scholarship academic scholarship yeah. so for me my dad had actually coached at BYU okay. and so for me it was just a very natural that's where yeah. I was going to go and Transition. I had a great experience there yeah. yeah now did you play all four years no, no. I, I actually have to be very clear. I never really played in any real games, but I have a lot of practice. <laughs> I can Pretty tell you, huh? I can tell you, I'll tell you a fun, uh, my claim to fame in football. I was a defensive back on the scout team and, uh, on national. So we had practiced that week against BYU was going to play the university of Georgia. Right. It was really good. Had Herschel Walker on that team. Oh yeah. Our quarterback was Steve Young, if you remember. But oh, all sure. week in practice, Steve Young would throw passes against me as a defensive back. And then in the game, he threw several interceptions in the first half. I remember three or four interceptions. And at halftime, the announcer said, well, Steve will be okay, Steve Young. He said, it's just not really fair because there's no way they can replicate the athleticism of Georgia in practice. And I thought, oh, great. I just got called out. <laughs> On national oh, TV for not being good enough. Okay. Oh, gosh. And oh, that was gosh. about as good as it got for me. Yeah. I, I was on the team for a couple of years and yeah. it was a great experience. Learned a lot. Right. But didn't, didn't really ever play. Now, um, I know that you went into accounting as one of your first jobs. Now, did, did yeah. you do your mission work after uh, BYU or was that before? I went to one year of school, year and school. then 
uh, went on a, on a mission. My mission work was Greek speaking, actually, wow. in New York City. A marvelous wow. experience. Love cool. that. And then, cool. and then I came back and I didn't know what I wanted to major in, but uh, I honestly, math was a skill that was quite easy for mm. me. I had mm. done very well in the ACT and in math yeah. classes. And I took an accounting class and everyone thought it was hard and I thought it was easy. And I thought, well, maybe I should just do this. Right? <laughs> so that's how I ended up as a finance accounting guy. Yeah, and it, yeah. it was great. And you had a couple, couple, three years of staff accountant work at, at Deloitte and Touche. Now, did you right. have management responsibility there? Was that more of a, you know, I, I know how both the, the 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 tax and the audit guys work yet those big I well, was it was a, big eight back then, I guess. Or it was, it big was the big eight yeah, yeah. Um, that moved to the big six, and now the big right, four kind right, of whittled right. down, right? Yeah. I was uh, with Deloitte, and I was uh, anyone who's in that world knows I was the one of the grunt staff accountants that just went <laughs> from job to job, and was just I kind of had moved up to be a senior accountant by the time I left, so I had managed a job or two, but um, mostly I was a, a worker bee, and yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it, but I I got at the point where I was offered a job then to go to work at NewScan and. Right. And I had someone tell me once uh, that a client that I was working with, a controller at a company, said to me, he said, well, ultimately, you need to decide whether you're going to keep score the rest of your life or whether you actually want to play the game. Ooh, and uh, wow. and yeah. I loved getting involved in the world of business. I just yeah. loved being passionate about a product, about a company, about a mission, about mm striving to make something better every day and uh just had a lot of satisfaction in that so now I, you I went for a company you went to one of the other great utah universities utah state right got your mba now did you do that while you were at deloitte or was I that did. Between i did i did that at night yeah, at right. night while yeah. i was at deloitte i yeah. i finished my cpa real quickly um uh, passed the exam and then i i wanted to just get the schooling out of the way i right. had right out of school, I applied to some MBA programs, some bigger programs, but uh, they all wanted me to have some work experience. Right, and, right. and then I just, we had a child and my wife and I, and uh, I thought I got to provide. And I just worked my way through school, um, through my MBA program, yeah. which was a great experience, by the way, because I was working and I could really feel like I learned more by applying what I was learning. Mm. It made a lot more sense to me than my my undergraduate, I mean, I love BYU, but it was just, I just took tests. Right, I mean, right, like, right. I couldn't really figure out how to apply anything. I just passed exams. That's yeah. all I worried about. Yeah. But anyway, so it was a great experience. So the world of direct selling was next and New Skin, another very successful and, and quite famous uh, Utah-based company. I think it was founded in Utah as well, was it That's not? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was. Yep. What, what was the attraction there? Tell us about, you know, kind of how that... Uh, came for you? Because I think you, you started in some finance positions there, correct? Correct. And, so I was, CFO. Yeah. that's right. So I was, uh, rec uh, I had a friend who worked there, someone who I had known, and yeah. he reached out to me and said, hey, are you interested in, in, in coming to learn about what we're doing and potentially work here? And I, I'll be really honest, at that stage of my life, it was about a 40% increase in pay. And I thought I'm nice. all in, man. Yeah, like I, right, that was right. important to me at that time. And, and I met the company, met people there and, and felt, uh, a great connection to them and mm. felt that it would be great. And, um, 
had a wonderful, you know, 17 years. Long career, yeah. There, right? It yeah, was they, a, a great experience. Took you overseas. I think you were in China for a few minutes. And Correct. Uh, Correct. Any I other location? Hong Kong. Yeah, lived Hong in Hong Kong. Kong for a year. Lived in right. Tokyo, Japan for a year. And then lived in Shanghai, China for four years. And when I was in China, it was my wife and I, we had seven children. Our eighth was born during that time. And wow. so we ended, we have eight kids in China, which wow. was quite a, That's great. quite a unique experience. Well, tell us about kind of the direct selling business. You know, we haven't had a lot of uh, CEO guests that have uh, come from that industry. And, you know, it's uh, been so successful. I've known about New Skin, actually knew some folks that were distributors. Actually, X was, was interviewed for uh, a search job there when I was working for another mm-hmm. firm years and years ago. Uh, they ended up hiring from within. So it wasn't yeah. that we got turned down, uh, but, you know, yeah. you guys develop a lot of folks internally. But but what's kind of the, you know, key, you know, thread in, in that business that, that kind of kept you there and, and, and kept you motivated all those years? I think I can, I'll summarize it this way or, or characterize it this way is uh, I was at New Skin for 17 years and then yeah. I, I left and was uh, uh, a mission leader for our, our church in, right, in right. Melbourne, Australia, which was yeah. a great experience. And, and at the end of that, I was kind of wondering, was I going to go back to direct selling or am I going to go? teach high school or what am I going to do? I was, I'd been successful and I could retire, but at at 46, I didn't feel like I wanted to just retire. And so I, I realized at that time that direct selling is a people business first Mm. and foremost. It's about people. It's about individuals and it's about individuals from all walks of life. Mm. You know, it's not the most successful aren't those with Harvard MBA degrees, right? right and right. and it, it can be anyone. There are some great people with Harvard MBAs that are involved, and there's people who have never been to school right. who just love others and love people and are passionate and are motivated. And if a company has a great product that is in demand in, in the world, um, that, that people love the product and you can have a strong consumer base, then it can be a fabulous business and a mm. great opportunity for people to be able to make, you know, supplemental income or just join a culture, a, a community uh, that they enjoy in terms of helping the world and, and getting together. And our world today kind of goes into what, what you mentioned at the first, you know, this COVID time is a challenging mm. time. We all got isolated and separated right, and put right. into our homes. But Direct selling brings people together yeah. in a beautiful yeah. way, and it has yeah. people connect, and right. people care about each other, and and it's a it's one of the businesses where you want those people you bring into the business to be more successful than you were. Sure, right. right. And so you're all about helping, empowering, and and helping others, and it's it's wonderful. The majority of people just make supplemental income, you know, a few hundred dollars a month, which is wonderful, and helps out in this world. It's a world where life can be tough and, and uh, a few hundred dollars can, can make a big difference. And um, anyway, it's great. And the products are terrific too. I, I, when I was uh, talking to the new skin folks, it wasn't in the skincare area, it was in the vitamin area. And so it was, you know, a new developing area. I don't know what percentage of the business is there, but it was fast growing. It was fun. 
wonderful people involved and, you know, products that really made a difference. And I think for me anyway, that's what I've always seen in, in, in many of the direct selling, you know, you have to have that real strong product. And, you know, I grew up in Procter and Gamble and, and everybody always said, Oh, that's a great marketing company. And if you came up from the inside and I happened to be in marketing, people would say, no, no, we're a great product development company. It just happens to have a strong marketing arm. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, you have to have that core. Did, did, it's did, exactly did, right, Brand. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me characterize on that yeah. and talk about that for just yeah. a minute because in direct selling you know it relies upon someone educating someone else right. about a product it's right. not right. these aren't products that sit yeah, what well year on was a that? store shelf and just right. have a, a nice label and a great image about it you have to understand it so they're products with often unique differentiated ingredients they are on the higher end price-wise at times than yep. what you would find in a right. grocery store, right. Right. but uh, they're higher quality and they have unique properties and unique benefits that, that really provide a, a, a great efficacy of the products for people who, who learn how to use them. So I'm a, yeah. I'm a fan. It's a different way of marketing, right? Right. And, right. Yeah. I've always said, if you're a marketing professor, a great marketing professor would say, okay, develop a widget guys think of a widget then for the rest of our class let's find five ways we can market this right right and, and right. one of those ways is direct selling and it's yeah. hugely successful all over the world now you left that business obviously to to do the work for your church and went to australia mm -hmm. it sounds like you you know you left on good terms obviously and great you know, terms. we're, we're in a lot good, of respect for yeah this, good good financial situation but Tell us about that decision. Did you did you feel at that stage, Corey, that you wanted to give back? Was there a calling that you had? I'm I'm curious about that because you know you did that for three four years and then right back into direct selling. And we want to talk about mm -hmm. Stare in a minute. But tell us about kind of that decision point on deciding to to move your family to Australia and and do that uh, that service work for four years. Sure, it was a, a three year time that was wonderful, and and I did feel that you know I. I had been successful with my family, yeah. but it was kind of a time where, you know, the business world at times can be very consuming mm. and get you very focused. Uh, you know, New Skin was a public company. Right. There's a lot of stress right. with that, I can yep. tell you, yeah. right? Yeah, right. In terms of, you know, I, I would tell my wife, you know, the average tenure of the CFO is about three, <laughs> three years, years in the yeah, public world, right? right? That's and, right. And it's like, it's very stressful. And so to be able to leave that, and go focus on, you know, religious people, religious religion, focused on helping people yeah, yeah. Um, and just help people have ha find happiness in this life. Mm. And, and to be able to do that in a way was just rejuvenating for our lives, really, for my wife and I and our family. It was a great experience. Everyone was supportive of it. Your your, your ki well, kids were a little we, older. We took a couple kids kicking and screaming. Yeah, and I can imagine. They Look at the teenagers, supported. right? <laughs> yeah. I had a son who dreamed of playing NFL football, oh, you know, following yeah, in those right. footsteps. And, sure. and when we, you don't pick where you're going to go serve. And when yeah. we got assigned to Australia, he was just distraught. Okay. Oh, yeah. But. Right. He grew to love rugby. Grew yeah, to I was going to say football. Yeah, he became football, a, right, became right. a better tennis player, and actually became a better basketball player. Those Aussies <laughs> can really shoot, man. I'll tell you, there you they don't go. play much defense, but they shoot. So he was a he became a great shooter, and it was it was a great experience for all of our family. Was it a set amount of time, Corey? Did you know it had just yeah. been three, three and a half years? Yep, yeah. three oh, years. It's it. it's set on a rotation. It's exactly three years, and and we loved it. It was marvelous. 
And now we're going to transition to doTERRA. Okay. <laughs> so you, yeah. you came back and you were one of the founding executives there. So was it some ex-New Skin folks? I remember you told me a little yeah. bit about it. So, so there were some. Get the band some... back together again, kind of one of those things? Or Yeah, what? there were. There were, I have a, a very good friend, a colleague, Mark Wolford, who works here, one of the founding executives. Right. And when I was in Australia, he said, you need to come and work with us. We're starting this company. It's so exciting. And, and uh, they were just starting up some, a couple of people, there were, there are seven of us, uh, mm. all with different skills and abilities, which is wonderful. Yeah. We all come together. We've, we've stayed together through these uh, 15 years now. But as we came together, we really focused on you know, each other's strengths. And, and for me, it was uh, just wanting to come and contribute and, and find a way mm. to help. I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't have a, a vision that, that doTERRA would be as big as it's been. Oh, you know, we sell okay. essential oils. I didn't know anything about essential yeah, oils. Yeah. But uh, quickly when I got involved, I could see that uh, doTERRA had tremendous potential. Mm. And, and as I said, I wanted to get, I love the aspect of direct selling where we yeah. help people, yeah. right? And, and we bring a community together. And if direct selling's done right, it's a beautiful business and a beautiful right. culture where people really have a great experience. And, and we've done that at doTERRA. So, so you stepped great. in and, and kind of picked up those financial responsibilities, right? Yeah, I, think you were I started on the finance CFO, side, right, but also right. a lot of international work and uh, really kind of just business operations, overseeing really the the back end behind everything that doTERRA was doing to supply all of our salespeople yeah. around the world. And then became CEO about a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. Right? So, so there's, as I said, there's seven of us and yeah. uh, one of our, our CEO and founding that the main founding executive uh, went to be a mission leader for our church also in Armenia, but he was kind of at the point where he was realizing that he had brought the company to, to a, two billion dollar plus wow. business and wow. it was kind of like we needed to make this transition from being founder led to being kind of founder inspired right? right so that we need to make this a forever company and and so he turned to me and said you know will you come and do this and um my wife and i thought about it a lot and said yeah this is what we want to do we love the mission of doTERRA yeah. We love what we're doing, and uh, and we're making a difference in the world, and it's a great thing. Tell us a little bit more about the mission and, and what doTERRA is doing. Sure. doTERRA is a, a company that's focused on helping people, helping people around the world. And, and you know, we bring these essential oils to the world. We we say that we source the best and we help the most, mm. right? So so we, we have, you know, we benefit the lives of, more than two and a half million people in developing communities around the world in in Kenya, in Amazing. Nepal, in India, and and I love spending time there. It kind of takes me back to my farming roots, right? When I'm so, out. So is that where that's where the oils are sourced? Yes. Oh, yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're sourced. We have 150 oils, and they come from all yeah. over the world. But right. but the main sourcing area: Kenya, Bulgaria, yeah. India, in Brazil. Um, in lots of places around the world. And I was just in Kenya last month and, and to be there with the growers and meeting them mm. and seeing the impact we, you know, we could buy a big farm and, and grow all these things and try to save some money on the margins. But instead we help, you know, hundreds of thousands of growers and communities of two and a half million people. I was with 
I was with a grower, a woman named Karen, and she has two and a half acres of small land, and she's providing for three of her children. Her husband mm. had died of cancer, and she now grows with us, and she grows geranium and rosemary mm. and, and some peppermint in, a, in an area where they normally just grow corn, right, right, and right. grain. And, and she makes eight times as much as wow. she made before, wow. and wow. now she can provide for her family. She's just ecstatic, and and there's growers all over who want to do the same. What a great so story. We, we love working with small scale farmers. It's, so it's do, a, does doTERRA great. step in and, and help them get started as well? Absolutely. And, it's yeah, a, it's a yeah. pretty intense program, but we, How's that work? we yeah. kind of provide them the seedlings, right? right. So okay. we provide them the seedlings and then we have, we have a network of, of people that work for us that, that go out and help these farmers all every step of the way, show them mm -hmm. how to, what to do with the plant, how to make sure that they're putting the proper uh, nutrients in terms right, of the right. composting and making sure that it's mulched right and that the water's right. And, and we don't want to use pesticides. So how we sure. do this organically, organically. And we work through all these processes ah. with these small scale farmers and our team of, of workers who help these, they, they help anywhere from 150 to 200 farmers, one individual. And they, they're on these little motorbikes going all over these remote areas of Kenya. It is really an amazing thing. And they stay, they stay on the ground for a season or two to help them get started. Is that how yeah, it works? Yeah, they're, they're yeah. mostly people from Kenya that are Got there. It. We, we have teams from you train them and from our corporate headquarters who are trained, yeah. but we have teams yeah. in Kenya that, that support them. Ah, and they're great. all, it's interesting because they're all, all these, all these people who work for us who are doing this, they're, they have university degrees in botany mm. or agriculture oh. and they just, what job are they going to have? But they love to come and work for us and then go help these farmers. And it's a, it's a beautiful model. Wow. I love that. And, and, um, uh, the product of course is direct selling. So you're, you're, you're taking the, uh, byproducts, the, the flowers and so forth. Do they, do you do the processing of the oils there too? Yes. Or is that something? Yes. So okay. we do that on site. Most right. of them, most of the oils, you know, we take the what we call the biomass or the botanical plant. We right. harvest it each one in different ways, depending right, on right. the plant. And then we take it and distill it in a distillation facility. Mm. And in, in Kenya itself, we maybe have, you know, we have six or so different main wow. areas. And each wow. one of those has four or five or eight stills. And they distill the, the biomass and out of it through a process of water, heat, condensation the oil then is extracted mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then we ship the oil um to our corporate headquarters mm -hmm. where we Do test it make sure it's exactly what we yeah, think yeah. it is and um, package it and um distribute around the world. That's great. And do you sell back into some of those markets where the product <laughs> is originated? Them. Yeah. A few of them. Yeah. We're starting to do more and more of that. We just opened in India wow, and uh, cool. I was there and it's amazing to, to sell these products to people in India, just as we're getting going in that part of the world. Wow. Kenya, we've started. It's a little bit slower. Africa, we do have operations in South Africa that supplies a lot of Africa, but uh, India is really going to be a big market for us. We're excited about what a terrific uh, business model, again, from farm directly to the home, right? I mean, you're yeah. influencing it all the along the way. Exactly. Touching and, people's and lives on both sides. Yeah, yeah we, we say that we touch people's lives on both sides of the bottle, right? Yeah, in terms of yeah. Being able to help it. people in terms of growing and, 
and distilling and then helping them you know when they use the oils and the oils have amazing properties that Mm. that really help people in a whole variety of ways so it's beautiful how would you say your leadership style has evolved over time oh it's i that is a great question brant i you know i feel like i i'm kind of a fan of uh Patrick Lencioni, if you're mm, familiar with Patrick, yeah. he's written some oh, yeah. great books. Absolutely. Um, but I, some of what Patrick said really applies to me. I feel like, I feel like a, a, the best leaders or the best employees really have great skills. Mm. They have great passion about what they're doing, and they have great relationships. They get along with people, and they're able right. to work well with people. And right. if you only work in two, one or two of those areas, then you're not going to be successful, right? People who have great skills and great relationships, but don't have a passion for what they're doing mm. aren't really taken seriously, right? Or people yeah. who have who have great skills and great passion, but don't get along well with others. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of tough too. They're Isolated. kind of viewed as arrogant. And, and, you know, for me, honestly, in my career, I think I always came at it with, with the skill set uh, my education, my training, my financial abilities. I, I always had the skill set to, to understand a business. Passion uh, comes, I think, with doTERRA, with the farming and, mm. and working with people yeah. that I got yeah. from our mission and what we're doing and being able to help people creates great passion for me. And then right. for me, I've really had to work on over time, you know, my relationships and getting to know people mm. and appreciate people and love people for who they are. Everyone's different, right? And everyone can bring different skill sets to the business. And uh, I used to not be as patient with people. <laughs> it does. It is a growing part of wisdom, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> finding it that level of patience over time. Absolutely. We touched a little bit on this, Corey, but maybe you just distill down for us. What, what, what do you think is most unusual, or perhaps most unique, about the DoTerra culture? Um, I think. I think what's the key thing is that for us, it is really about helping people, yeah. right? Yeah. And and for us, we say that, you know, I know that direct selling at times gets a little bit of a bad rap yeah. because yeah. everyone wants to sell to someone, right? But for us, we try to help our people understand that it's not about selling anything to someone. It's about helping someone, mm. listening to someone, what is their need, and just seeing if our products can help them, right? right? And right. I can tell you 99 times out of 100 or 99 and a half times out of 100, whether they, the person sells or whatever they do, they appreciate the benefit that they get from mm. using products. And so yeah, yeah. it's really about helping people and it provides a great satisfaction to be able to help people in the process. And as we focus on helping others, then the business takes care of itself. Yeah. There's a lot of work yeah. to do behind the scenes for us right, to manage right. through all that we're going through. But but that that is the easier part. Once people understand that we're here to help, and uh, that's the key. Well, and that's very attractive. And, and, you know, in any kind of marketing situation, attraction always works better than promotion. And, yeah. uh, and, and I think those types of values are, are obviously something that is very attractive. How many employees now worldwide? Uh, we have about 4,400 employees yeah. around wow. the world, about uh, a little over half of those in the United States. And then, you know, about s- over 60% of our business today is global. Right. So we have big businesses in all over in Asia, South America, Europe, um, really all over the world. 
do you guys think you ever go ever go public or do you like I keeping it not. in private hands <laughs> uh, we're we're very committed to the yeah. world in which we live being private and we yeah. we love that early on actually you know there was some when doTERRA the original founders when they needed you know to secure some funding to get the business started they went to some private equity types who right. said okay we'll we'll loan you the money but we want 51 percent of the business yeah. and they said oh, i don't think we want to do that so yeah. they went all in themselves and we're very committed to it we like we, we try to operate internally with the discipline of a public company uh that's what we're striving towards but right. uh strategically we we like to make decisions that are best for the long term and not sure. for what the results are going to be this quarter and next yeah, quarter yeah, and, yeah. and worry about what our stock price is every right. day because it's Private a great world out there. And I, yeah, I've yeah. lived in that world and uh, I don't want to go back. Yeah. It kind of turns your stomach a bit. Yeah. I know yeah. exactly what you mean. Yeah. You, you, you've hired a lot of people, you know, in, in your whole career and, and you obviously have developed some interview techniques and, you know, I'm sure particularly now as CEO, you know, people get fairly well vetted before they see you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and typically you probably only see maybe one or two levels below you, but, but tell us about, you know, what you look for and the people that you invest in and hire. I, I, you know, I think I can look at their resume and I can kind of tell what their skills are. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've right, seen right. thousands of resumes in my life. Right? <laughs> probably more than I have. <laughs> yeah. So you get pretty good at, at quickly looking at a resume and deciphering. And um, I like, I like to try to figure out what people are passionate about mm, what what yeah, really yeah. drives them what what motivates them because the best employees are those that you know they of course we have you know our, our families are critically important i want someone who you know understands that but i also want people who you know at night or on the weekends are thinking about how can we do this a little bit better right yeah. And that they're, it's not just a job for them, right? But it, it's a career. It's part of their life. And so I want people who can be passionate about, about what we're doing, about our yeah. mission. And yeah. uh, you can usually sort that out in an interview by, yeah. by just seeing what they're passionate about. And right. then I would also say that it, and this is going against everything that my kids in this younger generation go against, but it always makes me concerned when people job hop a little bit too mm. much because yeah. I think... Yeah. You know, you want to build relationships and you want to work through challenges and you need to be able to work through challenging situations. And so, you know, there's reasons that people leave jobs, but I always want to I like to see a little bit of yeah, longevity and yeah. a little bit of passion. Yeah. Yeah. That means do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite interview question, Corey, that you use? <laughs> or, well, or maybe a situation, you know, I've had a few CEOs say that they like to take people out, you know, for a, for a meal and see how they treat wait staff. You know, yeah, I thought that's, that's a always, good one. <laughs> that's always a good thing. It's always good to ask uh, one of my assistants what they felt about the person yeah, as yeah, they interact. Right, with right, right. Yeah, that you kind of get that same sort of how do they how do they treat the people that uh, yeah. they may be you know subordinate or what have yeah. you. But yeah. I always like to talk to people about what do they do on the weekend or yeah, what's a what favorite vacation and what do they you know what do they do for fun and I think that right. tells me a lot about about people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. We're, we're just about out of time, Corey. This has been a wonderful conversation. I do have a couple of extra ones. We kind of started with uh, the COVID world and, you know, you, you'd kind of mentioned, well, we're 
you know, at least a year or two out of it now, and hopefully there won't be more ahead. But what do you think were some of the key lessons learned, you know, particularly about the business uh, uh, during the COVID period for uh, doTERRA? Look, I, I think that there's some great positive things that came out of it, to be honest. And I try to start with the positive. Yeah. I think we've learned that that technology is amazing and mm. does allow us to do things that yeah. allow us to be more efficient and allow people to have more freedom in terms of what they're doing. So, right. you know, we do more work from home here than we've ever done before. But I would also say that there's power in being together yeah. and there's... Yeah. It's hard to be creative over Zoom, I believe, right? Mm, and it's sure. and when you're together and you're talking together and you're spending an hour in a meeting or two hours in a meeting with key team members talking about complex issues, I think you can just get more done when we're together. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we've tried to bring most of our teams back. We allow some flexibility mm -hmm, and allow mm -hmm. people to stay connected, uh, but uh, we do like like to be together. Some people do work better remotely. You know, yeah, and, certain, and, jobs, and certain jobs, absolutely. Certain job functions, there's yeah. no yeah. question about that. Right. And so right. we absolutely, You're doing them a disservice when you bring yeah. them. Yeah, and, and we, <laughs> absolutely, we absolutely accommodate that. But, yeah. you know, it's yeah. hard for me. I want to be forward thinking, but it's hard for me to think if you choose that path, it's sometimes hard to really advance up to a higher senior levels of management because yeah. you got to be yeah, able to work with right. people, but yeah, some people yeah. don't want to do that. That's true. And that's and true. that's hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. And right. so we, we provide opportunities for work from home as well. Corey, our last question we asked this of all our CEOs and that's you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give someone who maybe has their eye on their own corner office themselves someday? <laughs> I think, I think that the key is to be patient but to be passionate, right? And mm. to love what you do. And if you don't love what you do and you don't have a great passion to improve the world in some way with what you're doing, then you need to go find something you can be passionate about, yeah, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and when you have great passion and, you know, if you need to beef up your skills, beef up your skills. But the other point is just to be patient, right? right I right. never... I never wanted to be the CEO, to be honest. <laughs> I was happy just being a team player, right? And contributing. It was much easier to say, oh, yeah, here's what I think we should do, right? right. Than to say, no, here's what we're going to do. Mm. That's, a, that's a different perspective. But yeah. Yeah. when you have great team members like I have here, a great team that we can work together and work through issues, then it's, it's very gratifying. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's been a, a great experience. Yeah, and I would say this too, that I think as we move in the office, one of the things that our original founder group did was we got together and really determined what is our culture? What is our mission? Mm -hmm. What is our purpose? And, and we've tried to stay very true to that. And we've tried to stay true to our strategy and it evolves over time. But as people understand why they're doing what they're doing, then it's uh, they're much more productive. Yeah, and they have a better work experience. So true. Well, Corey Lindley, founding executive and CEO at DoTerra International, thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Uh, thanks, Brian. 
Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.go4roi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.